Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer femme people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp the founder of the Queer Femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. As usual, I would like to remind listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket, so if you would like to help me continue to create more episodes and maybe buy me a coffee as well, please consider donating to my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. However, I understand that finances are tight for many people, so if you are unable to join the Patreon, I fully understand. All I ask is that you give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as that really helps me out in my effort to get the podcast in front of more people. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. What were you doing on February 25th, 2020? Even if you can't remember the minute details of the exact date, I'm sure you remember what you were doing before the colossal shitstorm of a pandemic that would alter our lives forever. Or perhaps you were the opposite and you've completely blocked out everything that was going on before this collectively traumatic experience. February 25th, 2020 was the date that Brooklyn punk trio Thick released a music video directed by Jeanette D. Moses for their song, Mansplain. And yes, the subject matter of the song is exactly what you think it is. The video is very tongue-in-cheek, as it shows the three band members having their every action micromanaged by men in a studio, from dressing them to plugging in their gear and even moving their arms to control the way they play, until the band has had enough, kicks them to the ground, and effectively shut the men up by shoving cables into their mouths and jamming out for the rest of the music video. It's a very entertaining video. Not long after the video was put out, bassist Kate Black was on a work trip in Paris when her phone almost short-circuited with notifications. Apparently, a prominent right-wing figure in the UK had gotten a hold of the music video, and in less than 24 hours, the video was flooded with hateful comments from men and also some women, but especially men, with Pepe the Frog and Pokemon Go profile avatars writing comments like, someone needs to explain to them how to play their instruments, or how can I dislike this video multiple times, or I'm a farmer, and I'm going to put this on the screeching eagle list to scare away the crows. I think it's pretty safe to say that the Venn diagram of fans of this band and gamers who really need to go touch grass is non-existent. But then, something else happened. The scales tipped the other way. The comments got flooded with a bunch of women who shared their frustration 
and even comments from a bunch of men who thought this was, all in all, a sick fucking band. One of the comments from another woman musician reads, This is what it was like when I shopped at Guitar Center. I've been mansplained about mansplaining. I love you guys for this. So the good people ultimately won out in the end. In fact, today you'd have to scroll pretty far down to even scratch the surface of the hate comments, as all of the video's top comments are full of praise. And it ultimately had the opposite effect that the hate comments intended. The band couldn't have asked for better free promotion. Now, after over eight years of grinding as a DIY band and touring like beasts, Thick are almost everywhere, playing at Riot Fest, opening for bands like The Chats and Flogging Molly, and seeing critical success and acclaim for their latest album, Happy Now, which just came out this year. I got to chat with band members Nicole, Kate, and Sherry about this new album, navigating self-doubt, creating and touring in a post-pandemic environment, and realizing the magnitude of the positive impact that Thick has had on so many young women and girls, the girls who show up to their shows every night. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello. Today I am joined by Nikki, Sherry, and Kate of Thick. Welcome to the pod. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Nice. And uh, you mentioned before we started uh, that you are on your way back from a few festivals. So what are those festivals that you've played? Hawthorne Heights decided to throw their first ever festivals. And so they've got a couple of them going on around the country. And we were able to play in Kansas and Colorado. So those both happened this weekend. And they have a few more coming up that we can't make because we'll be on tour, but it was an absolute blast. Sounds like a blast. And you recently, May, I think, came off a tour with the Chats and Mean Jeans. How was that? It was so, so much, much fun. fun. So <laughs> fun. It just felt like the ultimate being at camp experience <laughs> where everyone is just friends and relates to each other. It was just all around an amazing experience and everyone is friends. So yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yes. It sounds like a blast. I was watching a wet leg interview on triple J. And I think one of the things that Hester said was that she doesn't think that the chats are real and she wouldn't be surprised if they were like a mystical, like fictional creature. Stop. That's so funny. They're, They're definitely real. real. I wish we were on tour with mystical creature, but the yeah. chats may have been much better. Than yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, that, the reason why I mentioned that is because I'm like curious to know, like, what are they like as people? So polite. So nice. Really so, safe. Yeah. So yeah. safe. Very welcoming. Supportive. Yeah. All the good stuff. We were kind of worried because like, they're younger. And we're like, oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Party animals. Which which they are. But they're like really nice, sweet, welcoming, safe party animals. Yeah. <laughs> good, respectful young men. Yeah. We got to tell their parents that and not lie, which was really nice. That's amazing. I've never seen them live, but they are like top of my bucket list. They're amazing live. Just yeah. 
and yes, and you guys just released the new album. So how have the past 10 days, like or 10 or 12 days been treating you? Good. Yeah, kind of like what? Kind of like a, how do you say that? Okay, it's like a blur almost. Yeah, it feels a little like a blur because you work so hard for the album, for all the promo, getting the artwork done, making the singles. It's like a giant project. And then when it's out, it's just kind of out yeah, in the world. It's a little anticlimactic, but it's so exciting. We feel yeah. really, really happy to get to share new music because it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the song Loser. I think that's my favorite, and I love the music video as well. Awesome. Sherry's the hero of that music video. That's her home run in the end. Yeah. And when you first formed, I'm curious to know, like when you first formed as a trio, because I know Nikki, when you put that Craigslist ad out, uh, you mentioned... You wanted a, like a cross between Blink-182 and Best Coast. And so I'm curious, how have you like, how did that, how did you guys initially click musically and how have your influences evolved? Interesting. That's what I, I mean, when I first met Sherry, she was like a jazz drummer. <laughs> and she hated garage rock. And so I was like, I was like, you gotta listen to this music and chill out. And I had, you know, I like didn't really, I played clown guitar is what Sherry calls it. And there's no guitar tune. I didn't know how to tune. I didn't know how to tone. So we kind of evolved together, but um, we definitely shared, it, it, Sherry and I especially shared the same interest for like pop punk, um, you know, very mainstream pop structures. Like we kind of yeah, knew how to yeah. write the songs. Like we have a big chorus, we have catchy verses, we have a bridge. It's kind of, we kind of like we're aligned on that same way. And Kate comes in with a little more of like a darker. How, how do you describe your Probably a little bit more grungy. More grungy. And still pop punk, but on a slightly different side of it. Maybe a little more emo, which Sherry and I actually share that side yeah. too. Yeah. So it's a bit of sort of just kind of like 90s alt and pop punk. Everything gets thrown in the blender of all of our experiences and spat out through such. I know what, like, when writing songs, like, especially in the beginning, it's like, we just want to play songs that make people have fun and dance. Like, that was, and we make ourselves have fun and dance, too. Yeah. Totally. Yes. And I think you de- you definitely succeed in that pursuit. And you, I mean, you start out the album with a bang, just like with happiness. And I also was reading a little bit and you guys have been have made like I think the oh my rockness list of hardest working bands like three times maybe more if I missed some but (laughs) how like when you were like really grinding and playing like a million shows like every night what was a typical work week for you sort of when you were still coming up in the past eight years all time, we're all still working. I mean, it was so, like we had, like you know, we had our own jobs to support ourselves, but also like we have practice at least once a week, at least two shows, maybe three. Yeah, because all we did was play music, and I guess work was what happened in between. Yeah, is what it felt like. And I was working at a desk job, so I would basically like bring my guitar to work or my bass at, to work, and then show up at a show, <laughs> play, like put on red lipstick, play the thing go home, go to work, rinse, repeat, over and over. It was kind of amazing. I've had to bring my bass into work last week, actually, because we were flying out, but (laughs) it still happens. 
I would hide it in the front closet and put it like by the receptionist before I even entered the office because mm. everybody pretty much knew I was playing in bands, but I didn't want people to be able to blame me if I was slow the next morning. Ugh. I'd be like, oh, it's because you had a show. So I tried to hide it and do it a little more subtly. Um, and when you guys released Five Years Behind, you tackled the art of grappling with unrealistic expectations and feeling several steps behind in our current world of endless content being pumped out every day. And as a follow-up to that, you've said that this new album is about allowing yourselves to sort of break out of that box and give yourself permission to feel everything and learn from personal experiences. When would you say that you came to that realization in your own lives and how has it been to sort of incorporate that into your art? I think the pandemic, I think, did something. It it released some type of like pressure almost. I don't know, like it was two years and it's like kind of sitting there and like, really being with yourself and also yeah. understanding what what drives you what motivates you what validates you what for me it was like what is music to me like you know we couldn't play shows or write anything and so we weren't getting attention we weren't getting like all that dopamine and i was like why is my dopamine based on other people so it was a lot of self-reflection like reflection of person for me what yeah. drives me and is that the healthiest thing and is that like it's not terrible but like how can i i don't know just reconnect with myself for myself, not for anyone else. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what shapes. I'm like, oh, why am I so freaking freaked out about getting older? <laughs> so kind of like, it, it, I unlearned a lot of stuff in the pandemic. Yeah. For my, I don't know, Kate, share what their experiences are. Totally agree. I think it was a good time to pause and really reflect also on, you know, that like grind, grind, grind mentality was a big one for me and be like, is this really what I want and how can I? continue to make music now the main priority and shift a little bit so that my time is reorganized in a way that that is sustainable because I want to keep doing the thing I love and I want to be able to do it in bigger and better ways indefinitely but like if I keep maintaining this little pressure cooker I've got going on (laughs) it might not work out that well in the long run. And one of your bigger songs that had a semi-viral moment, Mansplain, I read somewhere that some right-wing politician in the UK somehow got a hold of that song and <laughs> gave you some free publicity. What What can you tell me about the story behind that? I don't know. It came out and it happened literally like within one hour of that thing <laughs> the internet. And what was really insane was I was actually in Paris for a work trip. So it was all this weird time difference. And we had an interview planned that day. So I was taking the interview at midnight after a day of work and was on the phone call while we're just like watching the comment section completely flood in of all of these angry, angry men and women, women, which is always completely shocking to me. But I had known that it was going to be a thing. I just didn't realize that it was going to be that big of a thing. Like, if we pissed off people we care about and fans and are supportive. Like, yeah, we don't want to do that. We don't want to. We are not in punk to be punk and just make people angry. But when they're people that fundamentally are so completely opposite of all our value systems, then, like, forget it. I'm happy. You'd be mad at me. I don't care. That actually makes me feel like we probably did something right. 
Yeah, you know, what was actually really funny is that, you know, when, when you listen to the the intro to the song where it's just a bunch of men's voices going like, Ooh, I wouldn't recommend a Fender for a girl, but you're kind of tall. And bo- yeah, yeah, literally, you know, what actually made me burst out laughing is the fact that like, I was like, oh my God, I hate, I hate, I I hate this like misogyny and sexism. And then, but I remember when I first bought my first bass, I tried to get a Fender P and it felt like trying to fit my hand around a tree stump. I was like, oh no, I have small ladies hands, but I don't want (laughs) to, am I proving all those awful sexists right? No. Oh no. Well, they do make lots of short scales that are an option. Yeah. But it was hilarious to me because I had never really played bass before. I mean, I think I picked one up for the first time like a week before that. And so the guy in the store was kind of like, well, you know, it's a little harder to play. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't know anything different. So whatever I learn, it doesn't make any difference to me. I just want something that's a good value and then I'll want to keep for the next five years. Yeah. And it was just a funny experience, but whatever. I still play Fender bass. I have a P bass now. And if we could roll on back a little bit. So which one of you was on the receiving end of the Craigslist ad when Nikki put it out initially? (laughs) Sherry. That was me. Yeah, we were just emailing. I was on my old AOL (laughs) email that I used for Craigslist. And so funny it was pretty random also because i wasn't actively looking all the time and then i i finally saw that and i just really wanted to play with other female musicians was always the only girl with a bunch of dudes and just the timing worked out we met up we didn't even we didn't know what each other looked like i was like we went at a a bar for nicole at the bar and we both brought friends in case the other person was creepy and crazy right yeah (laughs) That's very smart and responsible. Oh, kind of relates to the freaking song that um, something went, went wrong. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be careful about Gotta the randos. Careful. Yeah. And yeah, that's interesting that you say that, that you were like, oh, finally, like another girl who wants someone to play in their group. Because when when you think about it, too, it is like whenever I see prominent musicians have like an all-female backing band and stuff like that, I'm just like, oh yes. And I'm just like, oh, that shouldn't be my gut response, but it's like, it's so, but it's still so like, it's, it just speaks to how like sparsely women musicians are utilized just in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, Like Olivia Rodrigo's band is all women and Harry Styles' band is, is pretty much like, it's mostly women it's mixed but they're sort of like the stars of the band which is really cool but yeah I have the same reaction I'm like this is so cool and it's so fun to see female musicians as backing bands it it's Jack White does it too he has two bands I think and one is all women yeah but it, it's so true it's it's like hopefully we come to a point where we in the best way possible because it's becoming more normalized normalized. yeah that is the goal yeah but I always love it I'm like oh my god female drummer female musicians yes and as women and girls like in music I think I think a conversation that I feel is so important to promote especially on here whenever I talk to other people is 
the importance of celebrating the uniqueness of every individual artist and stressing the fact that women musicians are, of course, more than their gender. They're not a monolith. There's so much variety, but also not to overlook like challenges that are still presented as well. And I want I, and I wanted to know personally from you guys, what have the three of you sort of gleaned from your experience so far being in the industry for eight years? Still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Still happens. Yeah. It's in progress. When you find a safe place, like, it, it, you know, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think the thing I've learned, especially being on tour the past, you know, this past year is you know, Brooklyn is a relatively safe bubble. Some venues still need to work on their shit, but like going out, traveling to the Midwest and some other smaller like areas, like it's just wild how behind everyone else is. Yeah. And how many women come up to us and go, oh my God, I've never seen a girl band in this venue. And I've been living here for 10 years. And I'm like, what? How is that even possible? Yeah. Like how do festivals get books that just don't have any diversity of any kind on them still? Like, it feels like we should be so much further past this yeah. than we are in reality. So, like, I'm still a little shocked. But also, there's I love being, like, you know, an inspiration. Like, you know, a lot of young girls totally. come to our shows or young young people, like, and they're, like, they come afterwards and they're so inspired. So that feels really good. I love That's finding that place. place. That feels the best. Because then it means that we're creating a space where those young people are looking at us being like, oh, well, I can do that. And I yeah. should have a place on that stage, too. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And is there any fixed story or stories in particular of that happening that you'd like to share that are very memorable to you? Yeah. We had oh. a little girl who came with her dad to our Dallas show on the Chaps tour and they missed it because there was some mess up with the website and our, sh- our set times were all messed up. But um, because of that, her mom flew her to Salt Lake because her sister had a baby and they had like a reason yeah, to go there. And so they came to our Salt Lake show and we ended up getting to talk to her and chatting with her for like an hour. And this little girl was more emotionally aware than like 90% of adults that I meet and was just the cutest little thing. And she starts telling us that she had a school project that she could do on a music, on a music genre and could focus on a band. And she goes, and I think you know where this is going. (sighs) And so it turns out she had done an entire school project on Thick, which was just, I mean, the cutest thing Mm -hmm. that I could ever imagine in my entire life. And she was just a wonderful, wonderful little human being. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was. I love that. She and she, you said she was like eight years old or something. Maybe like ten. Yeah, but yeah. really young. Yeah, between like seven and eleven. But and even yesterday at one of the festivals, there was an eleven-year-old girl in the mosh pit. Oh my gosh! And she, she and her dad, and she she was the cutest. She was so cute, and her dad was so encouraging of it because he was like, "This is all the stuff I wanted to do when I was your age, and I was told I couldn't by my parents, so I'm going to take you out to whatever shows you want to watch." Yeah. And, make this be a safe space for you to be in and feel comfortable and happy. And she was just so stoked. She ran around getting everyone's autograph and making friends with the entire tour. Just people that come up to you and especially little kids, young teenagers that tell you like what instrument they play and like how thick inspired them. Like anytime someone has come up to me and is like, I play drums. Like I, I love that. And I was so shy as like a kid and teenager and I never had the 
was going to say pause, but I want to say, <laughs> say that. I never had the guts to like go up to bands and be like, hey, I play drums. Like, I love you. Yeah, I just so I, I think it's the, the coolest thing for sure. Also, like yesterday, we were at all different times. We went out during the festival to just be in the crowd and someone was freaking out in a good way, like to me and Nicole was like, oh, it's so cool that you guys are in the crowd, like just moshing and hanging out. And I was just like, nothing will ever stop us from like enjoying those moments. So I I just think it's just cool. Like all the different things that people tell you at shows. Yeah. And I'm sure that you guys had a bunch of people like that that you looked to as kids and really looked up to. I'm wondering if you wanted to share who some, if there were any of these bands that did that for you. Well, it's funny because when I like reflect back, all the the bands I liked were all men and totally unattainable, like on a hierarchy that we could, we could never reach. You know, you'd never see them at a show, like the ones that I liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Maybe because back, you know, I'm from like a smaller town, so I didn't have accessibility to like, you know, smaller kind of bands. So I felt like, you know, the mainstream was all, all there was. Yeah. So maybe that like my access was like a little bit different than other people, but I don't know. Did you have any bands that like really was like approachable? No, not really. I had, I was like Nicole saying like, they were all men. Like in high school, I went to school with this band and be on the coast and I was obsessed with them and would go to all their shows, but it's, it's so true. Like, they were always approachable and nice, but there definitely was this like community within the like emo punk scene that felt like, I don't know, like it's no one was really approachable. It was a hierarchy. Yeah. yeah. Which is like makes sense, but like, yeah, weird. Yeah, definitely strange. Yeah, definitely. Well, do, and did you ever have a point of, I guess, discovery when you realized sort of different women throughout history who contributed to music and kind of had like a revelation or did that not happen until later? Kind of probably later. I mean, we were talking about it. Like we loved, you know, like bikini kill. We, 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 we kind of missed the riot girl movement by like, yeah. Now. By like a couple of years, we were just like five years too young. Our, my parents were not in, in at all. So we kind of, I found the Rad Girl movement like later in college is where I kind of found it. And that's where I found like a lot of friends who were in art and music and started, you know, started building our own scene. Yeah. Again, male dominated. It wasn't until New York City, when I was like 22, <laughs> that I started being like, oh my God, women are playing and I can get on that stage. Yeah. It wasn't until like then that I, I thought that it was just something that I could actually do. That was crazy. Except Bikini Kill. When I am up, Bikini Kill really inspired me a lot because, you know, just reading where they came from and how they didn't know what they, how they started kind of like as just not knowing their instruments, that that was so inspiring. Yeah. So like that really opened my eyes. So I was like, oh my gosh, like I could just do this too. Yeah. yeah. And I think, oh, I was going to say, I'll go off. I was going to say, also growing up, it's interesting because like all the female musicians I can think of are all pop stars. Like, yeah, I love yeah. Spice Girls or like Alanis uh, Morissette and even Beyonce, yeah, like Cranberries. Yeah, and there were some bands in there, but it's interesting because when I think about the radio today, I guess actually back then it feels like there were more rock oh, women yeah. represented on the radio than current rock radio, which is kind of strange. We're like trying to push things forward, but it feels like in that level of fame, like we're way less represented. Mm-hmm. It's just Taylor Swift. Yeah. 
you know, like she's on such an upper echelon and like Beyonce. And then there's kind of like what even comes like in orbit with that. Yeah. And Gwen Stefani. Like, no yeah. doubt. That was, that was sick. No doubt was sick. She was actually the coolest. That Again, was the there hardest. was, like, yeah, I was like, actually, when I think about it, there were so many bands that I listened to then that were female fronted. I guess I just never made the connection. Like, when I that. Yeah. Stevie Nicks. <laughs> My life changed. <laughs> Love that. But yeah, I was going to say, I went to this punk show as a teenager to see this band Homegrown on Long Island and this band Halo Friendlies played and they were all females. And I remember for me, it was almost life-changing. I was like, this is so cool. And I've been to so many of these emo punk shows. It's always just been dudes. And it was so cool. I was like, you know, I really want to do this. And it's amazing that this band is here. And like, finally, like we're starting to see female bands but it's still a work in progress Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting yeah for sure and it's really tough too because like you said when back in the 90s like when it feels like women were even more represented even than now it's so it just I think it just speaks to like I guess this is the cynical part of me talking but like the the suits in the industry, just like chasing the money bags all the time and being like, oh, okay, it's the 90s. So like, I guess chick rock is the thing that's going to make us money. So let's like put Alanis Morissette on MTV. And that, that j- that's the part that really makes me mad. Like yeah. they should be promoting everyone who's talented, not being yeah. like token. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think not to get too nerdy on it, for one second but I think that the whole industry and the amount of data that's accessible now has like stomped out creativity in a lot of places and stomped out a lot of people like searching for something different because all they want to replicate is previous success yeah and so it's so easy now and you have all the data at your fingertips to be like well blink one ev2 sells like a billion things and we get a lot of listens on the radio when we play them so let's just keep playing blink 182 and it's taken in music in a lot of art scenes that I've like been adjacent to in fashion just the like shocking lack of creativity and catering to kind of like the mass perception instead of defining the mass perception is like Mm -hmm. such a sad thing that's happening in the arts I think which hopefully we'll eventually break out of I'm assuming it's all cyclical and we'll get there but I think that's why like indie labels and indie radio and college radio is so important right now Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's kind of the only place you get any freedom yeah, absolutely. Do you? Oh, do you have any? Speaking of college radio, here comes my nerd um, about to burst out. <laughs> do you have any favorite um, indie stations that you wrote that you have in rotation a lot? WFMU. Yeah, definitely that For one. Sure. KEXP. I'm also a giant NPR fan. I don't know if that counts because that's like pretty mass radio, but I love NPR. Mm-hmm. Those are like my top three. Mm-hmm. I'm with Kate on that one. WFMU is kind of where, so I, where I stay, where I land usually. Yeah. Fordham University, heck yeah. Nice. And I guess, uh, who were you listening to predominantly when you were recording this album? Were you listening to other music at all? Because I know that with some artists, they're just like, oh, I actually only listen to my stuff when I'm recording. Or sometimes people be like, I took inspiration from this other band. So I'm wondering how that sort of worked for you guys. I actually don't think I listen to any music 
because I had moved upstate right before we started recording. And I think, yeah, like Sherry, I think I switched over to podcasts. What's hard because like, like, I don't want to. I'm t- my ears are tired when I listen it's almost like when I listen to other people's music I get discouraged so I kind of get in my head about it where I'm like oh, I'll never write that good of a song so that was kind of like a balance I was going through but honestly I listened to a lot of Mannequin Pussy I thought that that her album Patience was amazing yeah and also she, re- she released that other EP oh, I forgot like Perfect no that one on there yeah. like Romantic I, is that what the EP I love her but then the second EP uh, on Epitaph that she released during the pandemic was really amazing so was kind of, that was kind of on rotation for me and a lot of nothing. Cause I'm like, like listen to stuff. I'm going to get sad. I'm like, I'm not good enough. Yeah. So don't compare. Yeah. And you mentioned you switched over to podcasts mostly during that time. What sort of podcasts were you listening to the most? Okay. I love Bandsplain. It's, it's really interesting because it's very dependent on who the guest is. So some of the episodes are really amazing and some are a little less enthusiastic, but Band's Blind is great. And what's the, the Against All Odds? Oh my God. Yeah. Which actually though, I don't know if I can keep going with, because the whole premise of the thing is supposed to be that you get out of this really shitty, scary situation, like getting stuck in a cave in a flood. And now I think they've just run out of happy stories. So I keep listening to them, but so many people, it doesn't end well. So I'm like, wait a second, this is supposed to be uplifting. So I think I might need to take a break from that pod. It's really great. There's something else in this episode. It's really fun in the car too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a major podcast nerd as well. I recently found, well, I, I had heard of it before, but didn't start listening until recently. Do you know the show Your Favorite Band Sucks? Yeah. 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 We've tried that too in the car. It's, That's funny. It's really funny. I, I listened to their Beethoven episode the other night and I was peeing my pants laughing at their German impressions <laughs> and talking like about that episode. Yeah, we can do that on the next. drive. But yeah, and also there's this pod, there's the Unpopular Opinion podcast with Adam Todd Brown, who used to write for Cracked Magazine. And he, at one point, he wrote this like really extensive article explaining his conspiracy theory about Ace of Base and how the guy who was in like who was in like a fascist punk band before he joined Ace of Base might have found like really, really subtle ways to just sort of slip in little Nazi references to their songs. Oh what? Yeah, it was wild i was like i know this is a conspiracy theory but there's way too many things lining up for any of this to be a coincidence like this is like so like it was it was wild (laughs) you never know yeah (laughs) so now i can't listen to ace of bass without i don't know being frightened to death We have like five more hours up in this drive. So we've, we've got, got some options. options. We're gonna gonna on. I saw the sign on the loop. And I saw the sign. Yeah. And yeah, since we, well, I guess that's a good segue since we were talking about pop earlier. Like, who are some of your guys' like favorite of all time, like pop legends? Cherry. Cool. It's one of those questions where there's so many. And then when it, it comes down to answering, I'm like, well, I love Madonna's music. Like some of the albums. No, you love Harry Styles. 
Harry Styles concert like last week. That's your favorite pop. Yeah, I really like Harry Styles. <laughs> but also just like growing up, like Madonna was incredible. But there's so many. Like we all grew up listening to Spice Girls. For pop artists right now, like I really I love Lady Gaga. That's mm-hmm. what I really want to see in concert. She's Beyonce's really good new album. It's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, Who's new album? Beyonce. Beyonce. Oh, Beyonce's Renaissance album. Yes. It's amazing. Believe it or not, I'm way behind. I haven't listened to it yet, but I love, but I've been listening to music podcasters talk about all the deep, obscure house references and samples on the album. And it's, it's very like, I f- it feels like a very nice treat for music nerds that she dropped this album. So I'm excited to listen. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of Easter eggs yeah. in that. Also, another amazing pop artist is Jesse Ware. Yes. Pronouncing my last name. But yeah, incredible artist. Even Dua Lipa's album, because it's it has lead bass on every single track. And that's something that doesn't really exist anymore in pop music. So I think that album is so good because it just drives every single song. Yeah. I watched, have you, I watched and listened to, since it's also a podcast, the Dua Lipa episode of Song Exploder, I thought was so fun. I love Song Exploder. Okay, that we can also listen to. That's a good one. Uh, Yeah, and like listening to like her and uh, all the praise she gives to her collaborators, like she's very, I feel like there are a lot of uh, like major label artists who I feel like we don't often hear from their co-writers and stuff like that. So I loved how she gave like props to her collaborators and how prominently they were featured in the episode as well. And how she was like in the front seat too, as far as like making creative decisions, which is awesome. I love that. Well, yeah, I, I want to listen. I like so it. now we have Homer. We have Homer. We have, we have so I've got to listen to Song Club for a minute, but I loved the Sharon Batnett in episode. I love 17. That song's been one of my favorite songs. I haven't heard that one. Oh my, it was really interesting. Just like with the tones in the background. Hmm. Love that. Yeah. And when, I guess another question I have is when you guys are writing a song, what's, what does that look like for you? Is it different every time or is it more like a spontaneous thing where you come up with different parts and then just sort of are jamming? Yeah, it's definitely a mix. Like some songs will bring, like, you know, one of us will bring in a full song, like yeah. relatively like structured. And then we kind of will add like a little twink, like, you know, tweaks here and there yeah, totally. or like we'll come up with a theme like i want to write a song about this feeling and then we'll jam on and here's like a chorus idea or here's a verse idea and we'll jam on it and we'll kind of like we're really collaborative yeah but it kind of depends and usually it's kind of like an intentional thing like let's sit down and write a song with this theme or it's kind of a feeling so it, it really bounces around yeah we, we have like five new songs already for the next album which is, which is really funny. And, and I think they're even more, better than this, this past album. It's always like, okay, now this is done. Let's go to the next one. Yeah. So, yeah. there. It's But it's like a lot, a lot of collaboration. Yeah. There's always ideas getting thrown around. And then in terms if, say, Nicole has an idea for drums or I have an, mm-hmm. a, a gaitia, <sighs> an idea for guitar, we have an idea for bass. Like, yes. it's, it's just a very 
open and collaborative process, which is amazing. Just a lot of time, like nothing against it. Like you come in and you're just strictly playing like one person. It feels our own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And I also wanted to ask about the happiness music video because I feel like that's going to go down in history as like one of the most iconic because it it, it, hap- it just happened to be raining and you just went along with it. So do you want to tell me about what that was like? Yeah, it was snowing. It was really cold. So our friend who did our, our did a, he's in a couple of music videos, but he did Bumming, Bumming Me Out. He did that video and we just love working with him. He and his wife moved to Denver and we're like, oh, great. We're going to be in Denver for a day. Like, let's, let's like squeeze in a music video. And we didn't really have a concept, but like we just wanted to rent a convertible because we're in Denver. We're like, oh, the beautiful blue skies. Like it looked really pretty. And then we're like, oh, on the way there, we're like, it's going to be a freaking blizzard. We have no other ideas. Like, let's just go with it. Which I think kind of also represents the the theme of the (laughs) album in general, where it's like, you just kind of have to go with the shit that gets in your way. Bless you. (laughs) (laughs) My allergies are really bad. Yeah, you just. You're gonna kind of roll with it. And that kind of represents the album and how we live in general. Like, okay, we're not gonna let it stop us and we're gonna try to make the best of it. Totally. And that represents our band and Nick as well. Like he's our friend too. The representation of how we live our lives. Yeah. Is driving a convertible through the blizzard. Through a freaking blizzard. In Colorado (laughs) on our day off. Actually right before a show. It wasn't even a day off. We we had a sound check at four PM. Yeah. So we drove the convertible to the airport and drove straight to sound check. It was it was a lot. It was exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Better. Oh, it was perfect. It would have been way more. I boring. love how it turned out. Yeah, yeah it, it was perfect. Like CGI. Like I know it's crazy. Uh, so it was a wild day. Yeah, definitely. It's it's really iconic. And you guys are also about to embark on your first headlining tour. Is that correct? Yeah. First ever US headline. So we're tour. so excited. And you're bringing Skating Polly along. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are you most looking forward to on the road? Becoming best friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Building friendship and just like playing to cities we've been before. And just kind yeah. of seeing, the, you know, the community build up. Yeah. People who come back, like the certain shows, like, oh, I saw you at the Hawkeye Heights. And hopefully they like come to this show. I think that's really cool. Just like community that's building and people that want to come see us yeah and it's the first time we've headlined in a really long time so there's definitely a different vibe when you're opening it's been we've been so lucky to play with bands that their fans have been really receptive we've you know it's been amazing but I think it'll be really nice for the first time in a while to get to play shows where people are really coming to see see us us. it'll be interesting yeah Yeah, it's gonna be a completely different thing so happy to downsize the venues and just kind of play play our shows for for a while yeah nice and yeah I'm it sounds like you're gonna have an absolute blast and I'm excited to come see you guys yes yes so we're doing a doubleheader at St. Vitus which is amazing because we've played it there we've played there before a bunch of times it's one of our like favorite local haunts so an early and a late show so yeah Hopefully everyone comes to both and just hangs out the whole night with us. I know. I think we do need to come up with a prize for people yeah. who come to both shows. They have just to like, get something yeah. special. Have a raffle. Yeah. Like you have a different thing. Someone asked me if our set lists were going to be different for the two shows. Oh, that's, that's a good question. Well, we should. We should. Right? I know. I was like, I, we didn't think that far. <laughs> I have no idea what we're going to play in a month. But. 
exciting. And yeah, thank you so much for joining me for this chat. And I was just wanted to ask the obligatory final question, or if there's anything you'd like to plug before I let you go. Come to our tour. Just come. Yeah, the record's beautiful. And I love it, but I love our live shows. You yeah, know, I really think yeah. if you like the album, come to the show and really see. It's a different energy. Yeah, like a, a very different energy, but it's it's really fun. Come to our live shows. I think that's like yeah. where it's at. Yeah, and there's really bad jokes set on stage. <laughs> yeah, Sherry's the comedian, like the the C minus comedian of the band. Yeah. Not so good comedian. That's a twenty percent Rotten Tomatoes rating. God. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks thank for you. having us. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy. And thank you, Thick, for joining me. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested, consider donating to my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy. (laughs) 